I recently just completed a film, uh, namely a doc a documentary titled Black Bodice. And black bodice basically represents the term, these three terms, black body goddess. Mm -hmm. Uh, This film is um, dedicated to the black woman. It's about the black woman. It's for the black woman. It's both educational and inspiring. It's a very driven and intense film. And it journeys and, and documents Uh, From the beginning of history, our story in medicine and in health as it relates to being a patient, as it relates to being a voice that needs to be heard, that deserves to be heard. And it carries us from history to our present day status and then ultimately taking us into the glimpse of the future, what it looks like for us as black women in the scope of health and medicine and and um, not just coming from an enslaved inhibited restricted place but also how we are navigating and molding our voices and um, our empowerment and our ability and right to be heard and to be treated fairly there's a lot of um, what I like to call medical apartheid and, and major racial disparity. And um, that's, that is the crux and the, and the pulse of, of the film. It's 45 minutes of driven information and uh, demonstration. Um, a personal message, of course, and definitely one that I believe every Black woman and woman of color will be able to see herself or see someone that she knows. This year, 2020, I unfortunately lost my mother uh, to um, heart complications. And she was the only person that I had spoken to uh, prior to moving on this, uh, this project about doing it. And uh, of course, when life serves you a dramatic traumatic shift mm-hmm. it, it forces you to revisit some things and it forces you to look at time and it also amplifies your cause in life and the work that you do so I was already in a wellness space working as a nutritionist and a holistic health practitioner mm-hmm. uh, but with this happening with my mother of course was the last and final straw Uh, Because my mother was one who was a nurturer and took care of everybody. Mm -hmm. And painfully, painfully at the end of um, her life, um, there was some neglect. There was some neglect for her own health. But there was also a lack of decent care Mm. for her. Just looking in hindsight, um, I I was an advocate for her with all of these medications and the doctor's visits as much as I could be. But um, looking back and, and, and kind of doing, playing, replaying the reel for the last few years, I, I can see the medical game that was played. And, um, you know, even to the very end when my brother and I are in the hospital. Yes. And 
they're giving us our time with her. She's already passed away. And, but there's paperwork that needs to be done now. There are forms that have to be signed. There's a death certificate that has to be signed. And I felt like without a shadow of a doubt, I knew the physician that would sign off on it. She ranted and raved, bragged about her physician. And when he was called, he declined. So uh, the medical examiner just thankfully through grace had a physician, very kind, who was willing to do it. Um, but that was just another chapter mm-hmm. in the story. Sure. <laughs> that a brutal awakening of, you know what? This is really happening to us. This is not just history. This is present day. My mother would be categorized in the senior category. She was nowhere near the spirit or the... Um, generalization of a senior she was 74 years young which in my family is extremely young women live for a very long time um but just the level of trust that there is and then i i believe too doctor that there is almost like a vulnerability and a feeling that many black women have um, that they don't feel they have the right to speak or ask a lot of questions. There is a extreme vulnerable trust. So I was actively working um, in my own practice in the health field and also working with a cancer center here in my city um, and would accompany her, would accompany her to visits when she would allow me to. Um, I think deep down my mother had some fears And as an independent woman, she didn't want to stir concern within us. But my brother and I could see it because we saw physical changes. We, you know, we saw the obesity. Um, And when I would attend visits with her, I could, you know, you discern through your instinct that your presence there is not favored because I asked a lot of questions. Yes. Whereas my mother did not, you know, I'm, I'm asking questions and um, I don't want to generalize. I don't believe that it is all doctors, but there, there is a reality that, that we have an issue within the medical industry with physicians who really don't want you to engage in dialogue and conversation. You know, to stay sick is to keep me working and to finance my life. And so the medication continued to multiply or continue to switch. And um, she was open to functional medicine. She was open to everything, highly supportive of my career. Um, But it's there's this struggle with the mental construct that we have in our culture, that we have from upbringing, that we have from all of the teachings and life experiences that we receive um, versus the the work that it takes to change those things. So that was a that was a battle with her. It, it, it pains me to it pains me to my heart to speak of my mother in the regard of a typical scenario for black women um 
I tried and tried and tried and and every way that I could because what I saw with my mother as with many of us is what contributed to the physical decline was a lack of um how can I say a, a lack of therapy for a lot of things that happen in our lives that create trauma. I think now in society and in culture, we are much more open to embracing alternative therapies and counseling and 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 um, modalities that it requires for us to really be whole and healthy inside. Um, but from for her generation and particularly for her, and I've seen it with other women in my family, you know, you you shun it, you push it off, you push it away, you don't deal with it, but it's manifesting in other areas. And so for her, that was one of those cases. I'm definitely referring to stress, anxiety, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily mental health in terms of a mental disorder, but I would say mental distress. You know, when you, when you suffer from a, a lot of... Um, trauma in life my parents divorced after 30 years of being married Uh, my mother in her 60s started life all over again Um, that was definitely a traumatic experience for her a lot of loss in her life um, definitely convinced of a lot of childhood trauma that was never really just completely dealt with and so if we don't take the time to walk through that dark tunnel mm-hmm. and deal with it, with all of the, the opportunities that we have, it's showing up in other areas of our lives. So, you know, it caused her to develop some unhealthy habits, which were simply coping mechanisms. Sure. She was very intelligent, very articulate, sure. new textbook but it was just challenging for her to apply it to her personal life. Right. It's the myth of the strong black woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. I'm okay. And being okay is killing us. It was the, it was the ultimate catalyst to do it. uh, But it was also contributions of stories upon stories from other black women, whether they were my friends, my tribe, my clients, um, women around me. The stories were never ending. And I'm talking about stories that range from miscarriage to delivering stillborn to being dismissed in doctor's visits, um, dealing with fibroids, infertility, all of these challenges that Black women are having. And they're not becoming more educated about their cases but they are receiving more medication. In the 1800s, Dr. Marion Sims, who's been attributed to being the, uh, the godfather of gynecology, um, looking at how he experimented on those female slaves to perfect his methods and his techniques. He did not offer them anesthesia, but he offered his white patients, his white female patients anesthesia. Um, looking at that, number one, as just like the belly of the story, the genesis of the story. Um, as a woman myself, going, being on the other, 
on the other end, being the patient, Mm -hmm. going into a doctor's office and wanting to dialogue about what's happening in my body. Mm -hmm. And one time literally being told, well, if you'd stop talking, Mm -hmm. I can tell you what I plan to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Engaging in conversation with um, white, uh, uh, with white women, coworkers, peers, associates, and there's a portion of my story that they cannot identify with. And they're dumbfounded. They don't know what to say uh, because our, our story and our experiences are not the same. And even the consideration, the consideration or the questioning of whether or not they want to take a prescription, a medication. That's one thing, being asked mm. if they would consider and then also this this issue and this challenge that we have with pain management. So there's this idea that the black woman, because of her anatomy, can handle more. She can handle more pain. Look how she's built. Look how much she carries. Look how much she, you know, bears up under. So we're not always given the right kind of medication, because let me say this, I don't believe all medication is evil. I think, you know, there's a balance with that. But when it comes to dosages or brands or the type of medication or even a doctor inquiring about your lifestyle, what can you offer to your patient as a, as a means to help their lives improve versus keeping them like you said, it's sick care, you know, mm-hmm. keeping them maintaining or um, in reactive mode and not proactive. The film is going to show you the history. The film is going to show you uh, the three slaves, Annika, Betsy, and Lucy, mm-hmm. with Dr. Sims. It's going to show you how he taught them to assist him as he was working on each one of them. It's going to show you how we're actually the reason why the speculum was invented. Um, it's going to show you a round table discussion of black female physicians who are talking about the reality of dismission and neglect in healthcare. And even as physicians and professionals, how they have been on the other end and have received it from colleagues and doctors and even patients. It's going to um, take you into the life of a young lady who delivered her stillborn baby and was sent on a goose chase by her doctor from one end of the city to the other end of the city because they did not feel like her pain was um, as urgent as she claimed it was. She left one clinic with the baby having a heartbeat. And by the time she got to the second clinic, the baby was dead. Of course, uh, I'm sharing my story about my mother. I also share my story about being diagnosed with fibroids and PCOS Mm. and how my doctor's nurse just so randomly and casually shared that information with me over the phone. Um, and it, it, it took me on a whirlwind, a whirlwind. Um, and then we have some 
vetted, seasoned physicians, Black women who are sharing their experience of their entrance in the medical industry back in the 50s and the 60s and what that looks like for them. It's, it's a well-compiled demonstration of the Black woman's life. The takeaway message is to speak out to ask questions, to not be afraid to get a second or a third opinion. It encourages Black women to develop a relationship with their doctors and to realize that possibly the doctors that you have or the doctor that you have may not be the fit for you and that's okay. And that it's okay to switch and to change your doctor until you feel comfortable and you feel seen and you feel heard and you feel cared for. It is encouraging the Black woman to realize her position and her power, her worth, and that she is worthy of um, better treatment and, and a stronger acknowledgement. No one has endured like we have no one has the story of resilience and victory and tragedy like we have yet we carry so much poise and beauty and grace and we have contributed literally to every revolutionary change in this country have our local our houston film premiere on sunday it's november the 22nd and there will be a live stream available for those who are not in the city who are interested in viewing the film. And then Black Bodice will be publicly released on December the 1st. And uh, the general masses will be able to view it on live streams. Um, BlackBodiceFilm.com is the website for all of the updates and the news regarding the film and what 2021 looks like for Black Bodies. I am hoping for an uprise. I'm hoping for a surgence of Black women to recognize that they are not, um, they're not dramatic. They're not dreaming this. They're not thinking things up. Even though you may not have a medical degree, you know your body. And because you know your body, you have a right to journey all the way to the, the point and the place of healing. I am hoping that our young women who are coming behind us will realize and understand that their bodies deserve so much care in more ways than one. It's not just about spa and recreational self-care, but it is definitely about self-care in, in your health with speaking up. To, to stand up for myself is a form of self-care. To stand up for my sister, for the Black woman next to me or behind me is a form of self-care. And if we all realize that and do that, then the history that we have in changing things, we can get some legislative changes made. We can, we can shift some things in this country because we have the ability to do it. Our, our resume already demonstrates that. You don't have to suffer and just deal with it. I just had an uh, experience just this past weekend with a friend who I took to ER because I was like, enough is enough. 
She's threatening a miscarriage and has been at home suffering through pain and bleeding for days because the doctor said, your appointment is on Monday. And I said, no, ma'am, we're getting up now and we're going to see about you and your baby. And if we have to unnerve someone, if we have to be repetitive, you're going to receive what you need. We, we get so used to tolerating pain. It becomes a norm. I think the community, I think her tribe, number one, uh, those of us who are Black women in the health and medical space uh, definitely have to be positioned to be that tribal support. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be that resource, I do firmly believe that mm-hmm. we, you know, we've been, re- uh, some of us have been reserved for far too long. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I believe that she needs to know that she's not stuck with um, where she is. She's not stuck with that clinic, with that location, with that doctor. It's going to take some education you know, through advocacy, it's going to take some education because we we have a, a, a major gap when it comes to health care and insurance. So sometimes the woman feels like she is stuck Absolutely. because Absolutely. of a lack of insurance. She can only go to, you know, the county hospital or the government funded hospital where she's going to be put on the back burner and, and sitting they're in, in ER just waiting to be seen. I, I firmly believe, number one, that you have to try and reach out to the powers that be. I think we have to realize that it is worth the effort of finding the right person to voice a complaint. I have filed complaints before. Mm-hmm. I think she needs to dare to probe into that and file a complaint um, and there are multiple ways that that can be done, you know, per city and location. I also believe that she needs to talk to someone. She needs to tell others around her, her support circle, um, what happened, her experience, what's going on. I believe that through conversation that can can spur the momentum of, of maybe connecting to um, another source of help another location, an independent clinic. But if we don't use our voice first, mm-hmm. we can't get to step two. Right. It's easier to cater to the outer structure. It's easy to get nails and toes done and hair done and face done. It's a lot more work mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually to work on the inside. And honestly, that is the, the, the deepest form of love that we can provide for ourselves. When I truly tap into who I am, then I will stand up to being mistreated, to being dismissed, to being disregarded. When I truly tap into who I am, black body goddess, all of the things that our ancestors have endured, our mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers, all of the stories that we have heard, we represent the strength of those women. But I also believe that we have um, a a responsibility to the vulnerability Mm -hmm. of those Mm -hmm. women. And if we want to change the narrative of their legacy and ours, 
then we have to change what we've been doing. I think your film is very timely. Uh, if you, you would just tell us again how we, um, how we will be able to see it. Sure. Um, once again, for, for Sunday, November the 22nd, it's going to be available for live stream. Uh, six, it's 6.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's a private link that's going to um, be going to post on the website. So you'll want to go to the website around six o'clock. Well, Central Standard Time is my time. Convert that um, for Eastern uh, 7 p.m. for you all and look for the link, which will be on the home page. Click it and you'll be able to watch the film. Um, after that, December the 1st, we'll have the public release, which means that it will be available on Amazon Prime Movie, uh, YouTube, um, several, several cable stations, iTunes, not iTunes, is it iTunes or Apple? We're working on Hulu and um, a, a few other um, platforms. But you can find all of this information on the film's website, which is Black Bodies. Bodice is two D's and two S's. Blackbodicefilm.com.